Welcome in as we talk about the Little Miami Fire and Rescue District levy that's on the ballot on November the 8th. With us today is David Kubicki, president of the Columbia Township Board of Trustees, Mike Sifke, who's the chief of the Little Miami Fire and Rescue District. Unfortunately, Carson Shelton, mayor of Fairfax, unable to be with us today because he had a conflict. We've got a lot to tackle, and David, I'll let you take it away. Okay, again, I'm David Kubicki, and I'm here today to let the chief of the Little Miami Joint Fire District, Mike Sifke, talk about the fire district and the upcoming levy on the ballot this November. So, welcome, Chief. Good morning, David. It's This this segment, I kind of would call it, it's what I'd call the basic understanding of fire station operation for dummies like me. So, first, let me explain uh, the best I can. The Little Miami Joint Fire and Rescue District, it operates out of the fire station in Fairfax, for those of you that didn't know it. The station partners and contracts with both Columbia Township and Fairfax to serve the fire, safety, and EMS, which is emergency medical services, for the part of the community of both Fairfax and the Wooster Pike and Madison Place part of, of Columbia Township. They are their own separate taxing authority. And they have their own board consisting of members of both Fairfax and Columbia Township. It is the decision of that board when a levy is necessary for them to operate, not of Columbia Township trustees or Fairfax Village Council themselves. But I've taken this opportunity as the president of the Columbia Township trustees and on behalf of the mayor of Fairfax to give a platform for Chief Sifke to help the public better understand and make an informed decision when they vote on November 8th. So let's give this a go. I'm going to give this a go. All right, Chief Sifke, you've been hired as our chief after a long search process, and we're so grateful to have you. You come with high, high regard, and you've been here for about a year. So tell us about that, you know, the first year. What, what are you kind of working on? What do you got going on? Well, for the first year, it's been a learning process for me, coming from a different area, learning the community, learning the residents and everything like that, uh, spending some time into the district, kind of diving into our needs and, and, and things uh, that relates to um, – the department and department operations so um, over the past year we were able to develop we developed a 10-year uh, needs plan for resources um, due to the fact that uh, we had some deficiencies that we've noted and that's great I mean a 10-year plan I think that's really the first time and I know you worked with uh, very hand-in-hand hand with Melissa Taylor, our current administrator, our former administrator, Mike Lemon, as well as the mayor of Fairfax, to really come up with a long-term plan. And that's really the first time that, that thing's been done. So we really appreciate that. Yeah, it's uh, as we got into looking at our needs, uh, the, the relationship with the, the members of the board uh, helped guide me in this. And, and we really, really uh, appreciate uh, their time and effort. And it really gives us an opportunity to, to put something in play and start working towards uh, towards a the direction of of better equipment great okay well let's start by by talking about the revenues and expenses because let's face it that's why we're here when the revenues uh or the, the expenses exceed the revenues that's when the levies come into play so let's talk about the revenues of the fire station that hopefully helps people understand why this levy is necessary so first the easy one what are the revenues and where do they come from so currently we receive approximately 1.8 million dollars from our uh levies from a fire levy and the ems levy and some other uh small uh, receivables. Um, that's where we receive the majority of our exp uh, revenue. And just just to note, our labor expenses specifically are just $1.6 million. So uh, as you can see, that uh, not counting operational expenses, it's pretty lean. So if you've got expenses coming in at $1.8 million and your labor expense is $1.6, then you got two hundred grand left um, to, you know, obviously pay for a lot of other things. But first of all, let's explain when you mentioned one point six in labor. Uh, you got four men on three shifts twenty four seven. Explain to people that don't quite understand, I mean, how that's a really difficult 
place to cut. You, you mean, why do you have four men on three shifts? So we work for personnel on three shifts because it's a national standard. Um, it's, it's twofold for us, but from the fireside, it's a national standard for operational safety. Uh, additionally, for EMS, because all of our personnel are cross-trained as firefighter paramedics or firefighter EMTs. So it's a first call system where emergency, if emergency medical call comes in, our crews take that uh, and respond on the medical calls. So if somebody came and said, hey, why don't you do it with three men, what would be your response? Well, that creates an unsafe condition uh, as far as the NFPA standard is concerned. Uh, the recommendations for got it and so when you say nfpa standard again i call this uh firehouse operations for dummies you mean that it's not unique to us anybody would tell you that you need to have four guys uh to, to run a safe operation that is correct nfpa is the acronym for national fire protection agency and that's a standard that all fire departments operate uh operate using okay well obviously you got you got your million six in labor cost that's your biggest expense then you obviously need an equipment you need equipment you need a fire truck so let's start with a fire truck what's a what's a good fire truck cost you these days a quality f- equipped fire truck is going to be in around eight hundred thousand dollar range and how long does that last well the their standards are 20 years as a frontline engine. So, got it. So, you're basically saying an $800,000 truck, 20 years life, you're talking about 40 grand years, which you should be budgeting. And obviously, you need a backup truck as well. We won't even count that. And then you need an ambulance. And what's what's a good ambulance cost in this day and age? Ambulances currently are about $350,000 equipped. And how long do those last? They're about 10 years long. So, they got a 10 year life. So, you got about $35,000 a year expense in ambulance. Plus, you also need a backup. And again, we're not even addressing that. And then, of course, you need gear. And I I don't know what what would gear cost you on an annual basis just taking a rough rough guess well what we do is we replace gear based off a um, cycle that's what we put together now and uh, each each uh, set of gear which is a complete ensemble is about four grand Got it. per person so you have gear and then obviously you need a fire chief and a firehouse and operational expenses so we can clearly see your expenses are going to be over two million really hard to cut those and your revenues are only about 1.8 so i guess that it kind of answers the question of why we're here um i know there's many different types of fire departments anywhere from the volunteer uh fire department model to all part-timers which is interesting and essentially you operate a full-time professional uh, staff fire department. I mean, why, why can you explain why do you think the full-time fire department model is the best in this day and age? Well, the full-time model for us works best because of the fact that we can count on our personnel uh, uh, coming to work every day. Um, with the, the staffing issues that the industry overall is experiencing. I with think part-time. there's staffing issues with anything we're doing these days. It's hard to find anybody to do anything. Absolutely. So that being said, the uh, full-time model for us works best because of the fact I can depend on our personnel to, to report to work. There, If we uh, have recall, I can expect our full-timers to, to recall back to work. So that is really the benefit uh, of the full-time model. There are other axillary advantages as well. However, really quite important is that we are staffed and our personnel can come and provide safety to the community. And when we talk about the part-time model, just so everybody understands, uh, the part-time model, uh, essentially you have other people that are recruiting people that work for other departments. How does that work? Yeah, the the part-time model, typically the 
part-timers will work for another agency, whether they work part-time for another agency or full-time for another agency. And the challenge for us with regards to part-time um, personnel is the ones that work full-time for other agencies, they do run the risk of uh, recall to their full-time position, full-time uh, employer, which then leaves us short on staffing. So the full-time model really provides a, a, a solid staffing Got it. So in order to run a full-time professional department, we can clearly see that the $1.8 million in revenues uh, cannot, can't quite pay all the bills for a, you know, a, a department that is properly budgeting for equipment in the long term and properly uh, staffing a full-time fire department. So I got to ask you this. So we, we talked about your income and expenses. How do you think this department's managed to not kind of run into a wall for, for so long? I mean, when, why didn't they run out of money? What, what do you think the, the secret is to how they did it and you're coming here now? Well, I think there's certain things that uh, we've identified, uh, but clearly uh, they've reduced uh, staffing. They reduced uh, uh, assistant chief's position, so that's no longer uh, available. They also reduced uh, full-time administrative position. And also, too, we're identifying that the fact that uh, our equipment is uh, old and we're running into unscheduled uh, maintenance and repairs, which has cost us a great deal of, of revenue. So I, I would think it's just fair to say that we've we've done over time, just done the minimals that we needed to maintain uh, our equipment in a top level. Uh, yeah, and talking to Mike, Melissa, and the rest of the gang, and Carson, the rest of the gang, it sounds to me like I guess the best analogy I would give to the public, as we keep calling this uh, fire operations for dummies, would be it'd be like doing a family budget, having a ten-year-old car and putting zero dollars in there for your car expense, and then one day the car breaks down and shuts down, now you've got a you know, multi-thousand dollar expense uh, to buy a new car that wasn't budgeted for. So that's the best way we can do it. So uh, I will say this, everybody seems to love the fire district. You guys are doing an incredible job and they're our first responders and we're very proud of them. Uh, but we do get some questions that uh, from time to time that are tough questions. and. We're going to have some fun in the next uh, half and talk about some of the tougher questions that come up. And we're going to let Richard Skinner uh, come in and ask us some of the tough questions. And you and I are going to sit there and answer questions that have come from you, the public. So stay tuned. Welcome back into segment two of the Little Miami Fire and Rescue District levy conversation. Again, that levy on the ballot on November the 8th. David Kubicki, president of the Columbia Township Board of Trustees, and Chief Mike Sifke from the Little Miami Fire and Rescue District are with us. Before we get into questions we've gotten from residents, and there's some really important ones here that are going to be asked, um, just kind of recap again, put in a nutshell what, what we really discussed in segment one, Dave. Yeah, we kind of just walked through what some of the expenses are, the basic expenses of the fire department and why they're necessary, and the revenues, and we clearly tried to demonstrate how the expenses exceed the revenues revenues, and the result of which, I guess, if you climb it down to a nutshell, would be that uh, our equipment is old and in desperate need of attention from the apparatus the firefighters wear to the fire trucks, the, um, the ambulances, EMS equipment, etc. So that's where we are. All right. So keep, now let's get going yep. with these tough questions. Here we go. Let's, All right. Buckle in, my man. Here we go. Fire away. Why are our property taxes so high? Oh, boy. You're going to make this tough on us, aren't you? 
I guess let me get started by it, there's kind of a misnomer when you look at your tax bill and Columbia Township, like we control it all. But, you know, the reality is, is I'll have to go to each different district. The Columbia Township, Marymount, which would be the Wooster Pike corridor that we're talking about and probably ties into Fairfax as well. Uh, the the, the uh, Columbia Township portion of that bill is about 11%. So if you took, by way of example, a $10,000 tax bill, I'm just throwing out a number so you can extrapolate it from there, you're talking about only $1,100 goes to Columbia Township itself. And if you take that same tax bill, about 7.5% goes to the fire and EMS. So you're talking about $750 on a $10,000 tax bill. And obviously you can extrapolate. If you will go over to the the uh, Cincinnati School District, which you fit into where Madison Place would be outside of the Marymount School District area, a little higher percentage columbia township would get about 15 percent of the total tax bill um, and oh, the little miami fire district would get about just under 11 percent so you're looking at roughly a ten thousand dollar tax but that community about 1500 gets controlled by the township and the little miami fire district is about a thousand the rest of it goes to the school districts the county and all the other levies and other things so it's just a bit of a misnomer when somebody looks at their tax bill they come hammering us and i say go talk to the schools go talk to the county uh we i think we're really proud of the services we provide for the price point we do it at and i, I think uh you know, I think the taxes are very much in line. All right. Next is uh, is this one, and this is a good one too. Obviously, how big is this operating levy, and how much does it cost us in taxes? Well, actually, I'll answer that. Working with the, the group and the team that we worked with, we really, uh, really dove into this pretty deep and tried to keep the ca- uh, taxes down to the bare minimums that meet the objective of the ten-year plan, and which replaces. Uh, all of our antiquated equipment. Again, as mentioned earlier, we have fire trucks that are greater than 10 years old. Ambulances greater. I'm sorry, fire trucks greater than 20 years old. Uh, ambulances greater than 10 years old. Our personal protective equipment, our uh, PPE, is greater than 10 years old. In addition to our radios and communication equipment, which is 25 years old. So we really worked real hard to keep that uh, down to uh, the 1.75 mil. Um, that's that's what's going to meet the the needs through the equipment. Okay, so 1.75 mil levy, just to uh, explain that again, going back to fire district for dummies, would like me, uh, would be translate to about $66 a year per $100,000 valuation of your, your home. So we're talking about, or your business. It's about $66 a year per $100,000 valuation, and you could extrapolate however you want to go. Yeah, we like I said, I, I just wanted to make sure that uh, we worked really, really hard to keep it as small as possible. Um, these we didn't want to go overboard. We wanted to stay based what our needs are, uh, and this has been a pretty challenging project. But I'm pretty excited about the the team and how we all work together. Well, I'm assuming you know when you make a ten year plan. I mean that that's part of of the budgeting process, and 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 that's why if you can keep it small, you've got it because you've put a budget out there now. Correct. Yeah. That's and that's what's nice. It gives us a pathway to to move forward. Uh, not having a path in the past. Uh, makes it very difficult to plan and budget. So, as the chief said, a lot of hard work I put in this from multiple communities and a lot of a lot of uh, consultants as well. All right, chief, this is probably for you first and foremost. Why is the fire station in Fairfax such a Taj Mahal? Oh, <laughs> oh boy, here we go. Actually, from my experience, it's not a Taj Mahal. It's actually a, a modern, uh, newer, modern facility, and uh, it's actually a privilege to work out of it. I think our four, uh, our predecessors seen uh, was proactive and, and had some. Uh, foresight and vision of, of updating 
So I, I don't think uh, I've seen other uh, agencies or uh, facilities, and, and it's certainly nice. I'm not going to say that. It's certainly nice to work out of, but it's cert- it doesn't fall under the Taj Mahal. You know, it's funny when you hear something like that and, and you go look and that the facility is about 10 years old. I can't imagine. I mean, I'm in the commercial real estate business and know about building. The cost to build that facility today, so you could argue they were geniuses for doing it, for two reasons. Number one, I can't imagine what it would cost to build today, finding the land and building it. Probably be double what we paid what we paid for it or they paid for it back then. And then the second thing from your perspective, with the employment market, I mean finding anybody to do anything this day and age and those guys gotta sleep in there. I think the people that have these old antiquated facilities might struggle. I don't know how they wouldn't when people have to spend the night there. So I think there's a lot of pride that can be taken. The pendulum swung in the fact that, that facility was built when it was done. And I think we're, you might call us ahead of the game. Yeah, I, I think that we also must must mention the fact that when uh, prospects uh, look for employment, there's certain criteria that they look at. Certainly pay, uh, wages is one of them, but equipment, uh, quality equipment, quality facilities, that takes a – that does – way into their decision and, and having a facility that is at least modern and um, newer um, bodes well for us as a district to to uh, have new or have uh, let's best to have quality personnel um, want to be part of our district well i'll use myself as i live in burlington kentucky we have two fire stations right around us and they're both beautiful and i'm going to guess it's probably a a way to lure in people. It's, there's a job marketplace here. It isn't just, you know, you're not competing just in your city or in your area. You're competing in the, in the whole tri-state for, for these people. Absolutely. We share employees, and, and they're going to they're gonna go where the best uh, facilities and equipment are for them. Yeah. All right, Dave, this is probably for you. Why doesn't Fairfax and Columbia Township use some of the funds for medical marijuana? Well, we actually are using some of the funds. One of the things we're working on, and we're even trying to get the rules changed at the state level, to basically take the debt from the fire station and have Fairfax, thankfully, Columbia Township and Fairfax both have been fiscally responsible. We're going to try to use some of our resources to basically assume the debt and lower the the interest cost to the fire district, which will be a huge, huge savings. And the other thing, too, I want to remind people, and we say it time and time again, when we have revenues that come from medical marijuana, we're proud we did those deals. They bring us a lot of opportunities to do some great things, but we can't count on them lasting forever. I mean, medical marijuana, I mean, I don't know, you know, is it sustainable? Do the rules change? Do more businesses come and put others out of business? So for us to overly rely on pretending those revenues are going to exist forever could be a very dangerous way to go do business. So we're operating that the money's there. It's great, but we can't just go sit there and subsidize everything and, and if something happened to those revenues and they dried up that could be a really um, really bad way to do business so uh, we are using the resources to lower the debt um, but at the same time uh, we can't fully 100% count that those resources will be there forever all right what about partnering with Cincinnati Fire Department or, or even Marymount who, who's asking these tough questions? You give me, you give me some layups. All right. Well, I will. I'll field that one because I'm the one that's kind of tried to look and think. You know, in order to reduce your cost, ideally you'd have more partners because I know that both some of these fire stations could do more runs with the same amount of personnel. So first of all, I would say Cincinnati Fire Department as 
basically a policy, doesn't do any contracting out anything outside of the city of Cincinnati. They do their own stuff, and that's it. They kind of keep uh, tight to their knitting. And as far as Marymount's concerned, I, I've been looking at that because if you go look at these fire districts, Marymount's and ours, they're within a mile of each other. I'll say it. I've said it to all of them. They're, it's crazy that we have two fire districts or two fire departments within a mile of each other, and they cross through each other's uh, districts to service part, each part of their community. They'd be better off as one. One, uh, I believe that our fire department could handle all of Marymount without really adding any more cost or personnel, and, and in theory, vice versa, they could do us if they had properly staffed and a, properly, a proper facility they could do as well. I've approached them for years. We finally got down to where I've been working on this for, um, heck, it, almost, it might maybe be as much as 10 years. And uh, they they came and formed a some sort of committee. Uh, I wasn't necessarily invited to come talk to that committee to present the case of the facts of why two fire departments could be as one, save millions of dollars to both communities collectively, and have a, a better equipped, better trained, safer, best facility. Um, I went to go try to present my case. I went to a meeting, and they basically started a timer and gave me two minutes to explain how we could do all this and save the communities millions. And I laughed and thought, it takes me longer, a longer time to order carry-out Chinese food than it does to go explain to them why this makes sense for both communities. So uh, the bell rang. I got tossed off the microphone, and so we immediately said they're not going to be partners with us, so we need to go on to our plan B and move on with our lives, and that's why we're here. All right, this gets asked with almost every levy everywhere. If this passes, will another one be coming anytime soon? Uh, at this point, I don't see that as being on the uh, future. We put together that 10-year plan, as we, we referenced earlier, and uh, this meets those needs uh, in the 10 years moving forward. It is, it, it is a 10-year plan from what I understand, and that's why I have come here to, to help him platform and tell his story. Um, you can never say never, but I, I believe this is the long-term solution to making this fire district continue to provide the great services to Columbia Township. So we come to our final question. This is the main one to me. What if this levy doesn't pass? Oh boy, here we go. Uh, well, obviously we described in the, in the you know before that the the expenses exceed the revenues, and the byproduct of that is very old equipment. Heck, I would venture to say some of the equipment's almost antique or historic. I mean, you'd have to describe the equipment better than me, Chief. How <laughs> bad is it? Interestingly enough, so yes, our fire engines currently exceed the minimum uh, maximum twenty years uh, of service life. Our ambulance as well, 10-year service life, they've already exceed that in addition to our personal protective equipment. So all of our equipment has, see, has exceeded the recommended uh, um, service life. And with breakdowns of this equipment, it affects our constant state of readiness. And that's our communities expect that uh, excellent level of service. And uh, this prevents us from doing that uh, when things are breaking down. You know, it's interesting. You'd also told me, I mean, if you right now had a catastrophe, one of the, the, the pieces of equipment broke down in a big way, I mean, how long's the lead time to get a brand new one t if you ordered today? How long would it take to get an ambulance or a fire truck today if you needed one? Well, currently they're stating that we are in a 20, 20 to 24 month or two year uh, replacement. So it takes two years before uh, an engine or ambulance would arrive if we were to order today. So obviously to provide the quality services to Columbia Township and continue, um, uh, the model we're doing with right now isn't sustainable. Right, yes. And we have to, con to, have to look forward and look ahead to, to replacing and updating our old equipment. 
All right, we thank you guys for the questions very much. Thanks to David Kabicki, president of the Columbia Township Board of Trustees, and Chief Mike Sifke from the Little Miami Fire and Rescue District. This has been the discussion of the Little Miami Fire and Rescue District levy that's on the ballot this November 8th.